they understand the good that you do, and if you're genuine about the good you're doing, then and then you know why wouldn't you want to like talk about it to other people? You like you've experienced the, the benefits it's done for you as a person. You obviously want to see other people you care about also benefit from that. So it's like it's a lot deeper because I the business world can be very shallow and prosaic, and it's like. But when we look at it from the branding world, there's a spiritual aspect almost to it. Hello, and welcome to the Everybody Brands podcast, where we help you build brands, shape your culture, and inspire your team. I'm Brian Soy, principal of Aspire, a design and marketing agency that helps people build thriving organizations and purpose-driven brands through strategy, design, and the story brand marketing framework. Like, I don't, yeah, I just don't know why. So, hey, this is go. take two for the first international Everybody Brands episode with Eddie Baroon, who is a writer who happens to design from Canada. Eddie helps businesses attract more leads, create more customers, and increase profits through brand building and sales messaging. Eddie's achieved results across 16 different markets, including financial, insurance, real estate, automobile, education, entertainment, and fitness. And he's worked with brands like Sotheby's, Toyota, and Volvo. And I'm Brian Soy. I am the publisher of the Everybody Brands podcast and principal of the Aspire Marketing Agency. And what attracted me to have a conversation with Eddie is that we are both passionate about brands and branding, and we both approach them from similar and different directions. So, um, Eddie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Brian, for the second time. Yeah, you're welcome. So, I'll just let everybody know we, we had a nice, robust conversation, and um, I forgot to press the record button. So, this time we are recording. And... Uh, if you've listened to the Everybody Brands podcast, you just know that we are real, we're authentic, and uh, we just <laughs> we just want to help you learn about the the things that we care about. So, tell me about your background a little bit. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, background. So let me give you the um, let me give you a quick rundown. So I I actually was a, a film student in college because I I love storytelling and it's it's what I wanted to do. I um, I just really looked up to. Yeah, it sounds kind of like a cliched answer, but I really looked up to George Lucas. I, I thought what he had done with Star Wars was like really phenomenal. And I had learned about this hero's journey from Robert McKee and I just wanted to tell stories. So I got into film, but um, you know, I, I was born to two immigrant Iranians uh, who had really struggled to come here and they just didn't want their kid to be a, like doing arts. They wanted them, they wanted to know that, that like I was actually going to be like, okay. And so they were like, well, we, we, you know, we entertained you doing film, but like, if you're going to go to university, you got to have to pick a more serious sort of discipline and to kind of like reconcile my desire for creativity without sacrifice, without having to like become like, let's say an accountant where it's just, you know, it's all numbers and it's very prosaic. I went into marketing because marketing was something where it was kind of in the middle of the business world, but it was also still in the middle of the, the creative world. So I could kind of have my cake and eat it too, if you will. So I went into that and I got my BCom and eventually I found myself in the newspaper world. And um, I, I usually describe this to most people. Like when I started, this was like in 2015. Um, it really felt like I was at the, the, the turning point of history because 
the first week I started working there, it was, it really felt like a typical advertising office that you would kind of see like a madman or a TV show. There's lots of busy bodies, like people wearing suspenders and they had pens in their, you know, <laughs> pockets, shirt pockets, and they're all busy with the phone calls. They're trying to get that deal and very busy kind of that culture. Um, and then like a week later, like the big CEO gets on the TV and it, was, it really felt like it was Mr. Burns from the Simpsons. And he was just like announcing to all, we were all just like watching him and he's just like, yeah, listen, uh, Facebook and Google is just killing us. And I have to pretty much like let go like 50% of you. So uh, there's severance packages, but if you don't take it, you know, you're, you might be next. And uh, you know, in hindsight, what he was really trying to do is trying to weed out all the, the seniors who were just so set in their ways. They were never going to pick up on the new way of advertising, which was, you know, Facebook ads, landing pages, they just weren't going to get into that. So they, they kind of like within, like I went from like a busy office to the next week where it was just a ghost town. Like all these people were gone all of a sudden people had been there for 30, 40 years. And I was just like new blood and me and like three other guys were just like, I guess we're the future. <laughs> we kind of just like <laughs> looked at each other. I guess we're, we're the future of newspapers. So um, during my time there, like content creation was also like a big thing that was happening because that was sort of a response to like Google and Facebook killing all the, the ad money. So newspapers had found a way to sort of like secure, they, they had a unique positioning in the sense that they had these team of writers and editorial staff who could com write compelling stories and sort of find a way to link it to your, to your business and your offer. And that was becoming a big thing. So, you know, I was, um, I was very interested by that. I thought that was really a cool thing. And, what I would do is a lot of the times I would just hang out with these people and sort of learn how they were doing, like how they were interviewing these, these clients and the sort of questions they were asking. And I, I, I kind of learned just by osmosis. Um, and while I was there, I wasn't, I wasn't part of the execution team. I was kind of the guy who came up with the plan. I was more of a strategist. So the advertisers would come to us, you know, let's say it was Simon's in the, from the fashion world. They'd be like, Hey, we've got $30,000. We know you have a sweet audience that loves reading your stuff. What can we do? And I would come up with a plan and a big portion of it would be content creation. Um, now the problem I had was that I would come up with a strategy and we would hand it off to the execution team. But I guess, cause the execution team was salaried and overworked. They just weren't putting their heart into it. And I was a bit miffed by that. And eventually I started like just doing the writing myself and coming up with the execution myself in the background and uh, got really good at it. You know, I, I kind of like had seen the best practices and I applied it a few times and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I, I know how to do this. Eventually left it. Um, I had a buddy who was starting a boutique agency with doctors and um, just service providers who were very local, like they were very local, but they knew they needed to get online. So they just didn't know how. So I would come in and I helped them put up their websites, get their SEO happening, you know, um, set up the Facebook campaigns the sales pages to get the new patients. And, um, you know, I did that and I was kind of just all over the place. I was doing the graphic design. I was doing the copy. I was getting on the sale. Like I was getting on the calls with the clients and, uh, you know, it's, those, those are like 70, 80 hour weeks. And after a year, I just had to have a conversation with myself like, well, you know, what's the one thing I could do that I, you know, I could do for the next 20 years. And if I, you know, cause everybody says you have to focus. So I was like, well, how can I focus down? And, I looked at copy. I looked at copywriting because I felt like that's where a lot of that tends to be a centerpiece in coming up with like great advertising and great marketing. It's 
I initially thought it was graphic design, but uh, it turns out that that comes after the more I got into learning it and understanding it. I was like, no, it's the, the big idea, which you've probably heard from several, some of the masters in advertising is that comes from writing that comes from the word. So I was like fascinated by that. And as a person who wants to understand the little mechanisms and truths of why things work as good as they do, I, I was just drawn to that. So I went towards copy because I was like, I want to understand like the littlest of details that it takes to make this an awesome thing. Yeah. 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 You know, I always think the, the creative directors that really strike me are, are really copywriters. They're content yeah. creators. They're not, they're not the visual designers. Um, so they're not always chasing the latest visual trend. So there's, you know, you're right. Content is, is consistent. Good writing is timeless and you always, when you focus on that, you don't have to worry about, you know, color choices. You don't have to worry about, but at the same time, it is design that brings those words to life and can make them even more powerful. Oh yeah. 100%. Like, um, you know, Marty, if you read up on him, he, he, he eventually became a copywriter. That's why he's, he's the awesome person he is today. Like he wasn't just a designer. He appeals to designers, but he, if you go on his website, he literally says he got into copywriting. Um, George Lois, the man, the guy that Don Draper is based off. Uh, he has a good book that I love called damn good advice. And there's a, there's a page where he's just like, uh, you know, he swears by the written word, um, because he's Greek and Lois is actually, um, apparently it's like a mutation of the word logos, which in Greek is the word for reason, but it's also the word for like a million other things, order, truth, it's got 15 pages worth of definitions and the Bible starts with like in the beginning there was a word, but it turns out that was a mistranslation. It's in the beginning there was logos. So in the beginning there is always the word. And I don't think that's arbitrary. I think that's, you know, if the Greeks were saying about like talking about it like years ago, there's probably a bit of truth to it. And George, like he makes the argument that like when it comes to making the big idea, you need, you need this combination of visual and articulate talent the, the articulate talent needs to like write words that lend themselves visually so that the visual artist can bring them to life. But you can't have one or the other. You need the substance and the style to really sell it. And uh, that's why like, I felt like, you know, I knew the graphic design side a bit of it, but I didn't really know the copywriting. So I was like, I want to get the copywriting down too, so I can bring this all together. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm at the opposite end. I, I understand the design side, but I always knew that words really mattered and um, together, That's why I like your book. That's why I like your, your book. Your yeah. book like really speaks to that. Yeah. And you know, and, and that was weird because I've always felt like, well, I'm talking about communications here, but I'm a designer. So I, I had this internal intention between those two, but um, so speaking of books, you read a lot and you, you know, one of the first places that we started really to interact is on Instagram with these great tiles that you post. So, Tell me about your practice of synthesizing what you read on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So we 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 met on, uh, you know, we started to connect on Instagram. We actually met on Twitter. Uh, I I remember it really well because it was very it's very movie like. I'll I'll explain to you why because I I could tell you're being a little creeped out when I said that. But <laughs> so I was actually moving. I was actually like moving to a new place, and I had literally my last box of stuff. I was done with the place. I was about to step out. And the Amazon guy shows up and he's like, "Hey, package!" And I totally forgot I had a package, and it was uh, the Win Without Pitching Manifesto by Blair Ends. 
And I was just like, oh, wow, awesome timing. And also, this is a really beautiful book, like the texture and just the look. I just love this. So I ecstatically tweeted about it and tagged him and just said, hey, your book is one of the most beautiful. Because I have, a, I have a, an appreciation for books that are well-designed and have a nice weight to them. And I felt like that one just nailed it. So I was just like, hey, man, your book is beautiful. And then he kind of tagged you saying, hey, this is the guy, by the way, who did all of this. And that's kind of how we met. Oh, so. Yeah. It was a really emotionally charged day for me because I was moving to this awesome new place. I, I didn't really like my old apartment. I just got this book and then it was also a really nice book and it turned out to be awesome when I read it. And that's how we met. And um, we connected on Instagram. And yeah, so the, the, you know anyone who's on Instagram who sees my profile, you'll see that I have a lot of these uh, carousels. That's what they're called. And um, what it was is like, I got like people... Uh, you know, everyone has to make content these days. You know, it, it seems to be like the thing you want to do, but I just, I don't consider myself a thought leader and I'm not ashamed to say that. Like, I just don't think I'm like this genius that people need to like come and see me at a Ted talk for. Like <laughs> I, I have a lot of great ideas. I just don't think I'm particularly like original in them. And I don't think I'm that much of a genius. Like I think I'm a bit of a dope. So the way, <laughs> the way you cure being a dope is you read all the time. So what I do is I read 30 minutes to an hour, but if the book is really good, sometimes I just cancel my plans and I finish the book and that's happened a few times. Like, so I love reading books because the way I describe it to some to people, sometimes it's like, you're like, sometimes like, like, let's say Donald Miller's book, like building a story brand, mm -hmm. like, there are certain books sometimes when you read like the first five pages, you're just like, okay, this is like an important book. Like this is really going to upgrade my operating system. And I look at it that way because when I finish a book, I'm like, I see the world in a very enhanced way that will like, that's really beneficial to me, but also beneficial to whoever I'm interacting with. So I, I really love reading books. And one of the things I try to do is I also try to like remember the ideas better by turning them into these carousels um, because apparently, the, and I, I can attest to this from experience, like sometimes when you read a book, like you kind of just forget it. Um, you kind of need to read 12 or 15 times for it to really stick. But I just don't, I just don't have the enthusiasm to read the same book 12 or 15 times. So what I do is I often read a book. I have my, I have an iPad with a keyboard and, uh, the light bulb will go off. I'm like, okay, that's something I def I definitely need to like just embed in myself. So I'll make notes out of it and then I'll, kind of come up with a carousel just to also share the idea with others. Cause I'm like, well, if this is making me go crazy, like it's going to make my peers and anyone follow me go crazy too. So why not share the wealth? And um, I'm not like being arbitrary and having this idea, like the reaction has validated it. People are like very, very appreciative of the fact I do this and the metrics of saves I've gotten off some of these carousels. It's just like, okay, like this is, this isn't like a stupid, selfish, eddy idea. Like this is actually like something we can carry forward and it's not only benefiting you, but it's also benefiting the people around you and, you know, maybe even the world at large. So, and if you have an idea that does that, where it makes you a better person and also makes the other people around you better, that's an idea worth like capitalizing on. That's, I mean, that's the way I kind of rationalize it in my head anyways. Since I became a StoryBrand certified guide, I've helped dozens of leaders unify sales teams and grow their business with clear messaging that helps customers understand why they should engage, donate, and buy. StoryBrand is a proven model that helps teams and leaders communicate with clarity, connect with customers, and grow their sales. 
It's a sure way to get everyone on your team to speak in one voice with a clear and consistent message. So if you need help defining your focus and creating a clear message so your marketing starts to produce, contact Aspire at aspire.com slash storybrand. That's A-E-S-P-I-R-E dot com slash storybrand. So you can stop wasting money, find the clarity you need, and start growing your sales. I completely agree. It's an, you know, it becomes an idea worth sharing. And, you know, I'm looking at your last post. It, it's got, you know, a half dozen uh, responses to it. Um, it really caught my eye because you, you ca- captured one of the, the phrases in the book and you said you, um, you recaptured it in your own way. Yeah, you right. paraphrased it, but it's your opinion of your value is arbitrary and meaningless. And I just thought <laughs> how, how true for most brands, your opinion of yourself is or your value, the opinion of your value is arbitrary and meaningless. Right. Yeah, I, I failed to mention it, but I do inject my own voice in the carousels um, just because I felt weird just copy pasting it the entire, cause it almost felt like I was just giving the book away for free. And I don't want to do that. I want to disrespect the author. So I, I carry the idea forward, but I try to present it in my own sort of, you know, I processed it in my own head, in my own voice. And so if you're reading that kind of harsh language, that's not, that's not the author. That's me. <laughs> yeah. just, just to be clear on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, just, you know, you, you keep it real. Uh, you know, it's sometimes people soften the way things really should be said. Um, so, but what you're talking about is you read and you synthesize and um, you know, you mentioned expertise. You don't feel like you're a thought leader, but you're really developing deep expertise in this emotional connection. You're helping people see with their eyes, what they feel with their heart because you're yeah. doing that for yourself. You're visualizing what you're feeling with your heart using the words and the really simple black and red and white, you know, color scheme that you use. So it just makes it very potent, very focused. See, I'm picking up on the design stuff. Yeah. Um, but when you, you know, when we talk about expertise, you know, we are, we get better at what we do because of what we're good at. And you and I talked about um, the talent stack. Um, and that concept that comes from a book by is it Scott Adams. That's right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that idea of the talent stack. Right. So like, like before we did, you know, before we got on the episode, we were, we were just talking about what we were going to talk about. And uh, you, you mentioned, I really like the way you put it, by the way, which was um, you happen to be a designer who writes, but I happen to be a writer who also designs. And I really like that. And that's, I, if I remember right, that's why I brought up the whole idea of the talent stack. So Scott Adams, you know, everybody knows him for the Dilbert comics, but he's actually written some really worthwhile books past that point that I would, I would strongly suggest. Uh, the one that I would strongly suggest is how to win, how to fail and win big a story, kind of the story of my life. And uh, anyways, in that book, he has an idea where that he presents called the, the, the talent stack, which is, Look, if you're trying to be like the best graphic designer or the graph, the best basketball player, your odds of like achieving that are really low. You know, like it's not to say it's impossible, but like it's you're you're climbing a really steep mountain. But when you consider the idea of like let's just have let's just say you happen to be a really great designer or a great basketball player, but who also happens to have a profound understanding of narrative, or happens to have some sort of talent for drawing cartoons, or has an understanding of how economics works, all of a sudden you have these perspectives and ideas that, you know, most of us might not be conscious of, but like 
they're actually really valuable perspectives that bring in this like unique output that no other person can really do. Like, you know, especially if you consider the fact that, you know, for example, you, Brian, like you have a very particular life that no other individual could say they had accurately, like in like step by step. You're, there's only one Brian Soy. And you pair that with the fact that you're a graphic designer and also a writer. And, you know, you have, you know, you're also of the Christian faith, I believe. Like, my, yes. Right. These are very like powerful perspectives. And when combined, they become super unique and super po powerful that nobody else could really do this. There's only one Brian Sloyd that could do this. And we, we kind of shrug that off because we're always in our own shoes all the time. We think, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just Eddie and you're just Brian. But no, it's actually a big deal to a stranger. And it's like, we need to like find a way to like, re like we need to remind ourselves that what we've been through and the things we've learned and experienced, they're really powerful. And just because we've dulled our own senses from being in the middle of the bottle, as you would put it, that doesn't mean it, it, it's less. It, there's, there's a lot of there. And if we can just find a, the opportunity to notice what those are, those perspectives and experiences, we could probably have a better chance of magnifying them and creating more value out of it. But and so he's saying like the talent stack is one where when you add more, more skills, like that, that makes you more of a sophisticated individual in the way you can output things. And it's a powerful idea. And I think he's onto something. So that's why I brought it up. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's good. So instead of apologizing for our uniqueness, we should magnify it so that, so that we can bring the best of us to other people. Yeah. Well, if it's uniqueness for the sake of, you know, feeling self-important yeah that's that's silly but the uniqueness of like you have all these different experiences and, and like understandings and you could put that on the table in a way that benefits your client that nobody else could ever do like that's really valuable and that's something worth paying attention to you know and uh it's an interesting idea just because it's kind of at odds with the idea of um, niching down and focusing right so people sometimes i wouldn't say they lambast me but can sometimes feel that way where they're like, you should just be, you know, you should just focus on copy. Like, why are you the one that's coming up with the layout of the sales page? Why are you the one looking for the stock images? And that's something I need to like wrestle with. And I, anyone listening, don't take me as an authority. Like the, the, the top people say you should niche down. So maybe that's what you should do. But I, I think I'm wrestling with some upbringing issues where, cause my dad is, you know, he owns apartment buildings, but he's a, he's very traditional old, like one man show where he does the electric work. He does the rep, the repairs, the brickwork, does everything. So, and his mindset is like, well, if you can learn to do it, why, why don't you just do it instead of paying someone else? So I'm, I'm personally dealing with that because in the, the sense, in the, in the context of an online business where you're likely to scale and, things can get overwhelming, you, you eventually need to delegate and find people to help you out. So I'm in this, again, I'm kind of in the middle of like, okay, I'm trying to like reconcile both worlds. Like I like the fact that I have the understanding, but I know that realistically there's somebody out there who's way better at it than me. And if I had them on the team and they were serving a client, that would, I, that would be the more ideal situation instead of me just taking on that part as well. And you know, like, it's better to be a, it's not a really a great example, but it's, it's better to be a Tim Burton than a John Carpenter. You know, John Carpenter just composes the music. He directs the movie. He writes the script. He does everything. And his movies aren't bad, but like, admittedly, it might've been better if he just had the professionals around him to do their part. Yeah. You know? Sure. Sure. But then, you know, but when we're, you know, if we're the type of person who's intensely curious, 
um, which it seems like you are, and I know I am. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends described it as being multi-passionate, which I think is just, <laughs> sounds better. Uh, you know, yeah. we're, we're interested in it's, it's like, yeah, we could do that, so why not try it? Yeah. And then if we're, but then again, it just leads into and helps us grow and do the things that we do well better. So I want to just pause here for a second. <laughs> you know, was, I, was, I, was I too intense? No, 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 no. I want to change directions because sure. you know, we're, I, want, I want to get to what you know, really everybody should be more concerned about. And of course, that's branding, right? Yeah. Um, we want to talk about um, branding. And you know, it's a word that doesn't have a widely accepted definition. Um, right. Yeah. It's taken for go, granted. Right. And you know, if you're listening right now, go Google what is branding. Uh, use your favorite search engine, not to favor anybody. You'll get a dozen different um, definitions. Yeah. And, you know, Eddie, you mentioned Marty. That's Marty Newmeyer, the writer of The Brand Gap and Zag. Um, yeah. Just the, he, I always say he is the one who wrote the definitive books on branding. Um, but how do you define branding? Right. So, yeah, like, like you, I, um, you know, I, I kind of make this joke sometimes to myself where it's like, you know, like every field or every discipline has, you know, like the Greek gods, like there's always the Greek gods, but there's always a Zeus. There's always like a God of gods, a master man. So I, I always thought, you know, to me, Marty is the Zeus of branding. And if he says like branding is the other person's got feeling, I'm not going to question that. Like he's way, he's been, he's way ahead of it than I am. But if you're asking me in terms of my own personal experience interpretation, it's like, to me, it's branding is, um, it's the truth of the relationship. So like, you, you, you know, we, I was kind of ridiculing the idea that people say things, but they don't necessarily live up to it in their customer experiences. And I'm very against that. Um, because, you know, I've, I, I grew up like working for my dad, he had a corner store, and I would do a lot of like the delivery work. And I, I had to deal with the customers up front. Like I had to have that relationship and we were in a pretty rough neighborhood. So you deal with all sorts of characters and sinister t individuals. But like when you're trying to, when you're six and you want to make five bucks, which feels like a million dollars, like you just, you just suck it up. So I got really good at just relating to people. And I realized like these people could go to like any Depener, but, or sorry, I say Depener because that's the term we use in Quebec, but that's a corner store. But like, they could literally go to any corner store, but they choose to go with my, my dad. So like, what, what is it exactly? And it's like, I mean, we're selling the same pack of gum. We're selling the same bag of chips. So why us? And it's because we have personality and we have flavor and we're, we're, we're enjoy like, it's fun to talk to us. Now I didn't think about this when I was like seven or eight. Like obviously I didn't. And I was just happy I had this stupid five dollar bill. I'm like, oh my god, I'm a Steve Jobs. You know, <laughs> I, thought I was invincible, right? But in hindsight, now that I'm in this branding marketing world, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, it's because it's because of the relationship. Like we had a relationship, and these people who just I delivered to, like for that brief second that I gave them whatever it was they were ordering, like they we had a connection and that was enough that they liked seeing me, that they kept ordering. They, my, they would actually yell at my dad and be like, make sure your son sends it to us because we like him. They liked the relationship. So I looked at branding as like, you know, my definition is it's the truth, the, the truth of the relationship. And the reason I say it specifically like that is because you could say, Hey, we're, we're on a mission to do this and that. And we're awesome. But then if your customers are like, well, 
they say that, but like they treated me like garbage every time I try to ask for help, then it doesn't mean anything. So branding is, you know, the truth of the relationship. Marketing is, and I use dating. I look at it very much like dating. So like to me, marketing is you're just going out and asking for the dates, but you can't go out and ask for the dates to the wrong people saying the wrong things and trying to like, you're going to offend people. So you need to know what you're about and make sure you're talking to people who are also about what you're about so that you guys connect. And then when the time comes, they sign and they want to work with you. You got to live up to what you said you were about and prove to them that you're not some charlatan who's just saying things for the sake of saying things. And when that's validated enough through a series of interactions or business transactions or experiences, I don't like transaction, but you know, we could call it that they start to realize, Oh, you're the real deal. And you're the real Dell. Cool. There's, there's so much fake stuff going on that the, the, the real thing actually is novel and it excites me. So all of a sudden when I'm hanging out with my friends, I'm going to talk about you because you're so different that you're standing out to me in my head. And then they're going to be like, Oh really? And then they're going to come try things out with me and I got to live up to them the way I lived up to you. And eventually there's enough people saying, Hey, he's actually as awesome as his website saying now we have a brand. But I can't just be out here saying I'm the, you know, I'm the best and you know, everyone's like, well, actually you're, you're pretty garbage. It just doesn't work. It's, you need a, it's, it's a relationship. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure you you remember Marty's uh, steal this idea slides about the, and I think those were in the brand gap where um, two people are talking to each other and one says, um, I'm a great lover. Yeah. 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 I love that one. He, he yeah, had that in, in the, uh, the course I went, he, cause he had it in Santa Monica. I went for the certification. He showed us that. I love that. That's totally what that is. It is totally, totally what it is. Yeah. And it should come around to where the other person's saying, Hey, I hear you're a great lover. Exactly. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's, that's totally what that is. Yeah. yeah. I look at it that way. I, I feel like that's what it is. Yeah. So you're, but, but you're, you're right in that the, the the brand you know it's it's what attracts people but the the marketing is that part that says well if you like me let's let's go out on a date you know yeah. let's get to know each other so these have to and i think you've already answered then that, that question uh, the next question i was going to ask is you know what's the interplay between branding and marketing so well yeah it's like like again like mar- marketing is you're going on the dates like i said so you're, you're going on you're well, you're asking, rather you're asking for the date. I should say you're, you're saying, Hey, this is what I'm about. This is how I look. And I feel like, you know, I know you're interested. So why don't we, we try to make a date out of it. And you, you say, okay, cool. I'll, I'll give you a shot. Now I got to make sure like, you know, I could go out there and say I'm an amazing copywriter. Like I, I, I'll, I'll blow up your sales page and just drops fat stacks in your bank account. I could say that <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool. Well, prove it to me. And then I take you out for dinner and I take you to McDonald's. Like you're, you're going to tell your whole, like you're going to tell everyone that I'm a guard, like a joke. So I can't like the mark, the marketing is me saying I'm capable of it. And I, if it's, if it's good marketing, it doesn't feel like I'm selling you. It, it feels like I'm actually just speaking your language. So you're not looking at it like, Oh, someone's trying to sell me. You're really like, Oh, okay. I, that's actually something I have a problem with. And you, you articulate it in a way that's, the way I would articulate it. So something tells me you're worthwhile and I'm going to come, I'm going to inch my way towards you. Okay, cool. Now I got to actually live up to it. I can't just be words. I have to be action. So my demonstration of whatever service it is I'm rendering or product I'm selling you has to be accurate based on the expression I've made. Um, And if I do that well and I do it consistently, then 
you are going to keep coming back. But not only are you going to keep coming back, you're going to tell all your other friends and family because you're like, this is actual truth. This is in a world where there are lots of falsehoods. This is actual truth. This is actually making me happy. And why wouldn't I share that with the people I love most? So it's, it's branding to me is a very genuine thing if it's done right. And that's why I, I really admire it because you can't, you can't BS branding. We, we know all the people who have the cool logos and who say they're this and that, but when it comes time to show it, they don't, we know it. We might not say anything in the surveys or, but we on an instinctual gut level, we know that they are disingenuous. And, but we also know the ones who really, you know, really stand for something. And I got this whole experience from working at Starbucks, funny enough. Um, Cause Starbucks has this idea of like customer, uh, legendary customer service. You know, you're not just a barista. You're, you're someone who the people who are coming through that door, they're, you know, they're going through a divorce. They're going through a career they hate. And for that brief one hour to two hours where they get to sip on their coffee and just not deal with that, your job is to just facilitate that, that like relief. And that's a really, I really love that idea because it, it empowers me. Like, cause otherwise I would have just looked at it as like a snotty punk. Like, Oh great. I'm just going to pay six bucks an hour to pour coffee and this sucks. I could have looked at it cause that's what every other coffee shop does. But with Starbucks, it's like, no, I'm on a mission to actually make you as happy as possible. And when you quit, you realize you had an impact because people are like, where did, where did Eddie go? He was my barista. Like you, you meant something, you, you had a relationship. So that, I feel like branding always comes back to relationships. Like you just can't have a brand where your, your relationships are bogus. And again, it's, it's, you can't like con artist your way into this. Like people will figure you out, especially with social media. You just can't say things and not live up to it. So, and I respect that. I respect that branding when done well represents truth. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that re- I relate to that a lot. I like really like that. Yeah, no, I, I do too. It's, you know, truth. I mean, cause when you're living up, when, when you're saying one thing as a brand and then you're living up to it so that your customers, um, experience is in complete agreement with what you said that's when everything is in alignment and uh, we have we have a we have a client that has, has a similar approach that they like to create wow moments they say everybody you yeah. know, look for the wow moments how can you create a wow moment and um, you know and, but those are the brands that become cult-like they become you know they don't have just customers they have fans and they're not just fans they're raving fans yeah. And, and I like to see fan, I like to see customers even move beyond this raving fan to what I call believers. Um, yeah. and, and that language comes from, from experience I've had with the nonprofit sector because, you know, where you call them donors. So donors, essentially the customers, but when they're believers, it's not just how much do you need? It's like, here's my wallet, take what you need. So there's this complete change in how they view, um, the brand because it's becomes really part of their life and it becomes important to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Excellent. So, yeah. well, I was just going to say like, it, it's, I, I like branding cause it, 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 you know, it gets us away from this whole like prosaic view of the business world where it's like, it's transactional and you're selling benefits and features. Branding elevates it to this, like you're actually empowering you know marty this is again marty's idea you empower the individual you make their life a lot better and they're not a customer anymore they're they're literally like part of your team
they understand the good that you do. And if you're genuine about the good you're doing, then, and then, you know, why wouldn't you want to like talk about it to the other people? You like, you've experienced the, the benefits it's done for you as a person. You obviously want to see other people you care about also benefit from that. So it's like, it's a lot deeper because I, the business world can be very shallow and prosaic and it's like, but when we look at it from the branding world and there's a spiritual aspect almost to it, not to get woo woo on you, but like, it's there. Like we, we human beings were looking for things to really flesh out our identity and the brands who allow us to do that. Those are the ones that we'll gravitate towards because who shouldn't have the right to like understand who they really are in the world. Right. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's the million dollar question. So if a brand lets you get closer to that expression, of course you're going to be a big fan. And, but you have to do genuine, honest and good work for it to actually take place. You can't be a, you can't be a snake oil. Right. I kind of like the fact that it just by default weeds out those people. Yeah. Sure. And, and there's nothing, you know, as you said, woo woo about that. There's nothing shallow about it's actually taking your brand to a level that most don't get to where it, the, there's, there's value alignment and then people believe in, like you said, believe in what you're doing and they want to be part of the mission you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, and when we last talked, you want, you wondered about this idea of being mission driven and, and then you asked, is mission driven and non-negotiable for a brand? So I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, um, again, back to this, I, I feel like I'm getting a little jaded just cause like I, I go over so many websites, you know, part of prospecting also part of just like helping people out and everyone has a mission. Everyone has it, but it almost, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I was just really tired that one Wednesday night and it was like a 12 hour shift, but I just kind of felt like I was just like looking at the screen. I'm just like, everybody has a mission. Like, what, does it mean anything if everybody has one? Like, like how do I know yours is more valuable than the others? And it almost feels like it's this arbitrary placeholder thing that every company has to do now. And I don't like that because it, it should actually mean something. Like it shouldn't be this thing that we just have to do because it's every, you know, everybody else is doing it. So that's, that's kind of what I meant by that. Um, so in terms of non-negotiable, it's like, you know, again, like I, I, t- I, the reason I said that is because I kind of relate to my father who's, who's from a more traditional world where it's like, if you do a good enough job as a mechanic, if you're a plumber and you just fixed a toilet, that's good enough. There's no, this, this sense of like, oh, I have to make the world a better place and I'm going to fix all the toilets in the world. That just, you know, if I told that to my father, he, you know, he would see that as sort of narcissistic and grandiose. He'd be like, well, you know, kudos to you if you could do that. But like, I'm okay with serving the few people that I can serve. And I, I can't really argue with that. I don't know. Like I, so when I see people saying, you know, and there's also a really good book on this called uh, small giants by Bo Burlingham, where it's like the idea of getting bigger to him is arbitrary. Cause it's like, you could actually be a small giant. Like, you know, I have a friend who, who owns and runs a, a pub on the, one of the busier streets next to my neighborhood. And he's not trying to be like, he's not trying to be a chain. He's not trying to be Boston pizza. He's not trying to be like the big McDonald's. He's just like, there's a, there's a certain radius of people that I really care about and I'm going to do my best for them. And I really appreciate that idea, but more often than not, especially in the internet world, it seems like that's like small level thinking. Like you're too, too, you're too two dimensional in that. Like you need to think bigger. You need to be solving bigger problems. Like eventually you need to cure polio or something. It's like, <laughs> I just, I just, I don't know if I totally identify with that, you know, and your, your listeners can 
you know, critic, you know, they could crucify me for saying that, but that's just how I feel about it. I don't know. I'm still not, I don't have an absolute answer to it. Like I am still on the fence about whether or not that makes sense for everyone. Sure. But you know, personal purpose mission does motivate us. Business purpose motivates us. So when we, when we put it in terms of we've identified a problem and we're passionate about helping people solve that problem. And, and you're absolutely right. I think we tend to want to be like the Gary Vaynerchuks just because we see these, like he's giving this perception of success and it's like, well, wait a minute, let me work for you. But honestly, I don't want to be hustling 23 hours a day. I mean, yeah. I, I like being able to go home at the end of the day and relax, read a book, enjoy, you know, time with my wife. And if I'm, if we're able to do great work for great people, and, and we, at the end of our careers, we've maybe served a hundred people over that time, but we've served them well and deeply and with excellence and we've helped them grow their companies, then that's satisfying. So it's, you know, we have to manage our own expectations as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, again, like the people who listen to Gary Vee, like it kind of comes back to the idea of like people are just trying to find themselves. So they see a guy who's, succeeded and he had all these sort of shortcomings and his, you know, like his, if you read up in his childhood, he didn't have the best experience with his father. He just kind of worked for him, but you, you relate to that. Cause you're like, you're probably struggling in some way, but like, I would be, I'd be one of the, you know, as a person that works more than he should, I would tell you like, that's not, that's not, that works for Gary V, but that doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for you. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tricky, sticky subject. And I don't have like the perfect, you know, bow tie answer for it. It's uh, something I'm still trying to sort of reconcile in my head. Yeah. But um, in in regards to like mission statements, like you're right. Like everybody has a good reason for why they got into the business today. Like they probably, you know, like I think of Netflix, for example, when you say that, like uh, Reed Hastings, am I getting that right? Is that his name? Yeah. He, he did it because like Blockbuster, I'm assuming it's Blockbuster, just find him some ridiculous fee because he just had it for 30 minutes, 30 days late. And we've all been there. We've all kind of experienced that in some, so he had, he's just like, well, this is ridiculous. I'm going to set up a world where that doesn't happen. And I can relate to that. That's a story I can relate. But like when I come across all these websites, it just seems like we're on a mission to like do this, but it's like, well, but why though? Like what, what was the trigger point? They don't often, they don't always communicate that. Like you have to maybe dig a little bit and find a, an interview video that they did on YouTube and maybe the person will reveal it, but it's not in their messaging. So it, you know, it doesn't stand out because I don't know exactly what got you to this point. I just know that you're doing it and it's great that you're doing it, but like what made you do it? Cause that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we could do a whole episode on that too. And, and you know, I write about that a lot and I'm always fascinated yeah. by it. Um, so as we start to wrap up, you know, I know you were, um, you and I talked about some of your certifications and um, you've gone through the first part of the level C certification, which is a branding certification um, with, with Marty and his partner. So what, you know, what do you think the value of certifications are? Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) Has anybody bought more from you because they said, Oh, I see your level C certified. Okay, I'm just gonna say it, and uh, maybe I'll take it back if you ever have me back on your show. But uh, they don't mean anything. I mean, <laughs> they're 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 more like I thought they were important, but I like or I realized they're actually just more self. It's more 
it's, it's just to like self-reinforce your own like confidence, you know, nobody actually, I don't know, like some certifications probably matter, you know, like when we had this conversation before we got into recording, I was talking about how I think something like the alt MBA by like Seth Godin, I think that would actually have like, it would work. Cause like, you know, I was looking at like, you know, you're probably aware of this. Like there's just a million people making courses now, like somebody's nephew has a course on something. So once the market, mar- once the market is saturated, everybody has a course, well, which courses actually mean something. And uh, if you go down that rabbit hole, it turns out, well, it's gotta be a course that, proves that again it comes back to branding in some ways it's like it it's a course that actually proves the thing it says it was going to do on the sales page so if the course says it's going to get you more clients and let's say 70 or 80 percent of its students actually did that and there are testimonials to validate that then okay you're you have integrity and your name actually means something i think we're just in that weird zone where everyone's making courses and right now it doesn't hold a lot but like eventually there will be a Harvard or Yale equivalent where there's a name and there's a reputation attached to that training that if you were in, like you have story brand, like you right. have like Donald, like I would say that's like, if somebody saw it on your website, they would be like, Holy, I want to swear, but they would be crazy. They'd be like more eager to work with you. And again, I don't actually know if my customer, like maybe it's very, it might be the case to prospects and customers are looking at my website and they see that. And it's actually a reason for them to, validate why they would want to work with me so i like speaking from the experience of someone who has a certification i'm not sure they actually hold much weight because clients just want to know if you're actually you know like i i, I kind of look at it as like kind of being like an electrician like you could say you went to school for it but like no one's letting you touch their electric work unless you have a a senior who's done it for 30 who's given you the apprentice hours for 30 hours and they could say hey well he was under my belt you could trust him they, they don't care if you went to school. They just want to know like, like, Hey, my lights are they, my light bulb's going to explode once you're done with this. Like, <laughs> and I don't blame them. Like if you're sure. dealing with their website, which is a very important business asset, it's like, no, you want to make sure that whatever they do is the Midas touch. It turns it into gold, not lead. So <laughs> I can't hold them. Like you can't like clients are just risk assessing all the time. And I don't know that like a certification really does it for them, you know, especially if they have, no context to attribute it to like, Oh, you have a copy hacker, but like, I don't know anything about copy hacker versus like, well, you graduated from Yale. Well, I know all about Yale. There's like set, there's decades of like esteem to back that up. So that's kind of why I'm, I just think it's something that we need to give more time. And over time, some of these certifications will actually mean something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, cause yeah, like something like a Yale, people are familiar with that. They formed a perception in their own minds, they've got that gut feeling about what Yale is. And so they associate everything they think about Yale with you when you mention that. Um, but I run into the same thing with my StoryBrand certification. I'll say I'm StoryBrand certified. And it's like, oh, I've heard of Storyboard. No, 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 StoryBrand. <clears throat> I mean, it's right. like 60% of people switch, switch it up because they're familiar with the word StoryBoard. So it's, you know, it's really interesting. And I think it becomes something we hold ourselves to. Um, as well as our peers, because I, I'm sure you keep in touch with your the other level C graduates. And um, I know I know one StoryBrand guide who is work, um, really looking forward to her level C certification, um, which was put off by COVID. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, you know, and then learning from somebody like Seth, who's 
you know, he's done the hard knocks. He went for 30 years before things really kicked in for him and, you know, books that just didn't sell. Then all of a sudden things started happening. Yeah. So, well, hey, go ahead. I was just going to like say the, the, the other thing is like, um, it, it's, there's so many people who, who will say they're a copywriter or they say they're a graphic designer or brand strategist, but it's like, where is that coming from? There needs to be some level of like legitimacy. So for me, it was like, how do I know I'm actually as good as I think I am? Well, one, one way I'm trying to validate that is, again, you're always trying to build your expertise. So I'm reading all the books I can, and I'm going to take the courses where there's a framework that is tested and tried. And copy hackers, you know, for example, when it comes to copywriting, like they, they just, their, their methods are unquestionable. Like they, those are the methods that are working for websites like HubSpot and Unbounce. Like they're using their frameworks and they're just getting all the clicks and all the revenue from it. So if I'm, whatever I'm learning from them is it's legitimate. It's not arbitrary. It's not just like some guys, you know, he, he kind of figured that out on his own and he made a YouTube video about it. And I just wanted to like, make sure that I'm not a phony because it's so easy to say you're something especially on the internet and you're actually not. And again, it comes again, it comes back to branding. It's like once you, you say these things and then when your customer signs and then you, you, you're a nightmare to work with, like your work sucks. And like you, you weren't like talking to them on a regular basis. It's just, it, it sullies not only your name, but it's always the, the, the craft. So graphic designers get a bad rep because it's like, Oh, well, they, 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 they're very visual, but when it comes time to deliver, they're always, they're never missing. They're always missing. And it's just like, we need to like, we need to set a standard. And I, I gravitated towards these courses because it's one way of kind of like, you know, just ensuring I'm not like a, a BS artist. Cause it seems like it's very easy to do that in, mm-hmm. in the uh, business marketing world. And I'm very against it. So I'm trying to my best not to be that. Yeah. That's wise. It's um. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you spend any time on Facebook. I unfortunately do. But <laughs> oh, I it, do. Like yeah. my feed is filled with these. Um, yeah, you know, I know who you're talking about. Without even you saying it, I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. And it's like not just one. There's like dozens of them. And I don't uh, know. Yeah. Like, stop. I don't know why. Yeah, they always have that band. Like the, they have a cover photo. It's like, hey, I'll teach you how to make my six or seven figure. Like, And it's just so like, it just it reeks of snake oil. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. If I'm not you, I'm successful. That's right. That's right. I can smell a click funnel a mile it's awful. away. It's just the worst. And there's so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, tell us how we can reach you or where, where we can find you online. Yeah. Well, uh, you can find me on eddiebaroon.com. Um, Eddie is spelled with I-E, like Eddie Murphy. And um I mean, just, you know, you'll, you'll find me pretty easily. Uh, I have a goofy smile in my profile picture. I'm gr- uh, like black and white. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm not, I'm retweeting most of the time there, but on Instagram, I'm doing the carousel thing that Brian mentioned earlier. So um, if you're just looking for like some cool ideas on how to be a better, you know, marketer slash brand expert or just business in general, like I put out some like stuff that maybe doesn't have like the greatest engagement, but like the advice is pretty timeless and it's coming from books I've read. So, you know, uh, you'll, you'll have a treat and you'll definitely feel like a lot smarter once you're done with this. So you can find me on Instagram and uh, I'm not going to say LinkedIn, like LinkedIn's kind of boring, so you don't need to find me there. Yeah. Just, just look me up on Instagram and it's eddiebroom.com if you want to check out my website and, you know, maybe possibly work with me. Yeah. And you should, you should post those, um, carousels on LinkedIn. You think so? 
carousels get great engagement. Yeah. yeah. There's even a formula for him. Look up Chris Dew. He outlined the I formula. I know Chris Dew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he outlined the formula, but they do get great engagement. And you are the king of hashtags on, on Instagram. You max them out every time. <laughs> well, you, you, you have to, right? Like, like you got 30 of them, you might as well. Yeah, yeah. It just takes a lot of, takes more time than I'm, I'm, I'm less patient, I guess. Okay, that's understandable. But yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try a LinkedIn. And uh, I just, LinkedIn just feels very sterile. Just feels like it's very, uh, it's too serious. And I can't like, uh, like there's, yeah, I just feel intimidated by it. That's why I no. go with Instagram. I could kind of like, if I slip, no one's going to crucify me or deny me a job or something down the road. <laughs> now you, it needs, it needs rich content like that. I know when I post rich content uh, that makes people think I, I get better engagement. And the thing is you, you, you want to do that over time, you know, cause again, we're measured not by those individual posts, although that it's true. We're measured by the body of our work. Yeah. That's and right. As long as you're, as long as there's not an individual post that, you know, is completely ridiculous. Um, <laughs> It'll be fine. As, as is happening so often these days. Um, yeah. It'll be fine. So. Yeah. Well, hey, man, I mean, I, um, I feel like we weren't able to cover everything. I, I was kind of stressing about that. I was just like, I can nerd out about whatever we're talking about for like hours. Uh, I just don't know how I'm going to do them justice with this, this, this finite one hour or 45 minute thing we have. But um, I hope you're happy with like what we did. You know, Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Next time we'll, we'll narrow down. So yeah. maybe, maybe we should read a book together and then talk about it and hash it out. Yeah, that or like there's a certain question or topic that we're, you know, like for example, like branding versus marketing, that could easily be an episode. Like there's there's just so much to that that you could just be going for days. So like, yeah, I'm down for that. If you're if you're if you're as excited about this stuff as I am, like I'm I'm more than eager to just get on and just talk and nerd out. You know, like otherwise I'm just doing it alone. And yeah, no, I think we need to, and I think people are hungry for this. Uh, you yeah. know. I see with the people that follow me on, on my social channels, they're really interested in, even if it's one little tip on how to, how to do something easier or how to do it better, you know, they're, they're bombarded with, you know, three easy clickbait techniques yeah. to get more or like how to optimize your Facebook ads. And, you know, like that's the biggest waste of money ever. I'm, so, I'm, I'm really glad you said that by the way, cause I've, uh, you know, I'm in this, uh, this sort of, uh, I, I made a, I decided to be part of this, this thing where we're all, like, it's a group of us. We're all going to post content, authority building content. And I do find myself feeling very uninspired by like, you know, like talking about, for example, the five stages of awareness, which is like an idea from Eugene Schwartz in copywriting. And I know it really well. Every copywriter knows it's kind of like, it's super basic, but like the average business person might not. And I don't find, I don't find myself very inspired about writing it, even though it's, if I did it, it would probably be to my benefit. But what you just said made me realize, like, I would, I would much rather like a piece of content in the form of what we just did, where it's like two guys who just really love what the, they're doing and they're just talking about it. Cause this riffing thing is less calculated. And that means there's just this more organic exchange of ideas that I just like better that I don't think I could do if I was trying to like overthink it in a piece of writing that I'm trying to publish. And then it's like, Oh, well, I just, you know, I'm reworking this sentence for the 26th time just cause I don't want my peers to, I just, I think like what we did right now, I, it, it just invigorated me. And I think like there was a lot of substance and value in what we said. So I don't know. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. 
Yeah, well, make sure you, you, you keep your confidence in yourself up because you, you, you know, you're headed in the right direction. I'm really excited for your, you know, you and your future. Thank you. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I'm more toward the end of my career, not as far along as, you know, like Marty, but, you know, it's, you know, we just, if we keep learning, we're going to keep growing. And if we keep growing, we're going to inspire other people. And, and, and really, that's a mission in and of itself. So yeah. that I'm going to say goodbye and thank you for being part of the Everybody Brands Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Everybody well, Brands for Podcast me, from Brian Soy. You can find Cheers. more content Cheers. like this at aspire.com and in the forthcoming All book, right. Everybody Brands, how storytelling helps companies and customers build brands that people love. In the meantime, look for books by Brian Soy on Amazon.com and discover resources to help you build powerful brands that inspire and engage at aspire.com slash resources. That's A-E-S-P-I-R-E dot com slash resources. Music from this episode is the track Wrong by Dan Hennig, found on youtube.com slash audio library slash music.